0: Hey, everyone. Chris here. Before we get going with this extremely awesome episode featuring very special guest star Deborah Pratt, I just wanted to tell you that you can also watch a video version on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the podcast. We've been posting a ton of stuff over there with much more exclusive video content to come as the reboot approaches. So go. Check it out. Like, subscribe, spread the word to all the Leapers you know. That address again is youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. Now on with the show.
1: Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator... he awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see
2: and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home.
0: You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode one hundred and four. Reboot update with Deborah Pratt. Welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher
3: DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale.
0: And today we have a very, very special episode to bring you. We are thrilled. We are over the moon. Joining us live on mic is none other than Quantum Leap co-creator, co-executive producer, all-around writer, superstar. She is Quantum Leap. Deborah Pratt is here with us today. Deborah, welcome back to the Quantum Leap podcast.
1: It's a pleasure. It's good to be here. Good to hang out with you guys.
0: We are so thrilled to be able to talk to you because I don't know if you've heard there's a reboot afoot. <laughs> what? What are you talking so, about? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? So, yeah. We'll
3: tell you all about it. We'll fill you in <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I'm just trying to uh, to think about – we haven't spoken to you on the Quantum Leap podcast in, in a number of years. I think the last time it might have been for Black on White on Fire. And um, you were so generous with your time then. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll be able to delve a little bit uh, more deeply into uh, a lot of the reboot news. I, I understand that you are probably under um, obligation as to what you can say what you can't say. So a perfectly valid answer for any question I might ask, it can be NDA moving on. Is that, uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's more than you have any idea that that would be. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to keep it under wraps and um, they're just now finishing the uh, edits and the studio is looking and the network is looking and, so
0: everybody's everybody's looking. So um, we are um, going to tread the sort of walk the line that you need us to walk.
4: Thank you. I, appreciate
0: I would like to start just just a little bit more generally, because this has been sort of in limbo for so long. I remember back at the like the leap back nine convention when uh, Don was on stage with Scott and people asked about a reboot or continuation. And, you know, he had mentioned that he wanted to do one thing. The network wanted to do another thing. And they were sort of at an impasse as to how to move forward. So um, how, um, if you, if you can tell us, how did they get from that impasse and uh, actually make the reboot happen? What's the background?
1: Don decided he would uh, let it happen. That's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He said, a "Yes, you're absolutely right." Um, I know that he uh, he just felt that the world, and and I feel this way too. Right now, the world needs Quantum Leap to come back. Mm. You know, it's a show about hope, which isn't much on television these days. And um, it's a great family show. It's a great socially conscious show. So more than ever, I think we need something that people can go to that has a bit of fantasy, that has a bite of sci-fi, but really is about people facing, um, situations that, uh, that are happening now, but, but have been happening over the past 30 years and, and open the door to talk to them, open the door to, to talk about them with, I mean, what we tried to do on the show was tell both sides of any story. And then our audience is so intelligent. Let them figure out how they feel about it, how they stand about it. If they're watching it with their children, how they want to talk about it. So um, we need that. I haven't seen that on TV lately.
4: It's, uh, it's really great that you mentioned something with hope. Because a lot of remakes now, a lot of um, revisits to things tend to go in a more cynical direction. So it's really great to hear that this is going to keep to the spirit of the original show, something more uplifting.
1: Yeah, um, Stephen Lillian and, and Brian Winbrandt wrote the script and and they did a great homage to the series. Um, I have to give them that credit. And then they brought themselves to it Um I know that right now they're working on La Brea, and uh, they just came off of God Friended Me. So you kind of have a flavor of who they are based on God Friended Me, I think. And they're just nice people. That's kind of magical. Um, The production houses, Martin Vero and um, Ryan Lindenberg was fabulous to work with. Meg Fisher was fabulous to work with. I mean, just really good people that have come together. And I think that was important. Um, as well uh, you know, any deeper than that you you need to sit down and talk with Don about um, where he was to then make him go now 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 now
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, we're glad he did
0: <laughs> yeah so am I. I think, I think we all are. We're thrilled that he did. Um, I'm just speaking about sort of, uh, getting into that process of, uh, say getting Steven involved. What, so one. once Don decided, okay, this is a go, we want to move forward now. How did, um, you proceed with, I guess, one, breaking the story for the, uh,
1: So I can't tell you what happened, you know, in the room where it happened. I cannot tell you. Uh, I know that he turned it over to, um, he turned it over to Universal, and Universal um, brought in uh, a number of people that they they felt would be right for it. And uh, Stephen and Brian were chosen; they were the chosen ones. Mm-hmm.
0: I see. Okay. And um, can you tell me, uh, because you mentioned that Quantum had played, um, you know, such a unique role in television while it was on the air, you wanted to carry some of those concepts forward. Can you tell me um, what considerations went into developing the core concepts of the new show? Specifically, I guess, how you expanded on the the original premise, and um, then maybe we can get into some of the character choices.
1: No, (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, again, this show is brand new. It's just being born. So the fact that it was written, cast, shot, just just edited literally today it went to the network. Um, it's so new it this is this show may be just a little bit early to have those conversations. And so unless the studio. Um, and the network said it put out some kind of press release. It's not fair to to talk about it. You, and truthfully, they're like blown away by the fans. Let's talk about the fans for a second, because <laughs> they have gotten emails and calls. And and I go back to how powerful the fanship is, um, where people knew about characters and things they got hold of the breakdowns to find out who the characters were that they were looking for. I mean, so there's information that's out there illegally, let's say that, um, the fans, you know, they did their due diligence. They worked, they found out as much as they could and what was going on. And I love you guys for that. For, for <laughs> I love you for the fact that, and then as, ma- now, as a matter of fact, I, I remember having a call with one of the executives and they said, who are the leapers <laughs> are <you> kidding? <laughs> get ready, get ready. If you haven't met the leapers, <laughs> get ready. And, and I talked to them about the fact that, you know, and you guys know this better than anybody that this show, that the original show was moved six times in the five years it was on the air. The fans followed it. Anytime there was any kind of just rumor that it was going to be taken off the air, the fans wrote letters and every one letter is considered a thousand letters not written. So when they got thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of letters, they realized they had to, um, they they had a force to reckon with. And um, I think that's the key element. And it's really just been finding the right time. And you're right. Uh, Allison, the whole cynical nature. Uh, I, I read now and again about people talking about Quantum Leap can't come back. The world is too cynical. Nobody's going to buy it. You know, I guess there may be truth to that, but I think people forget this show never went off the air. It may have gone off NBC 30 years ago, but then it went to USA. And then from USA, it went to Streaming and to this day, you can go find the entire Quantum Leap series on air. And i I can't think of a meeting that I have walked into where a young executive um, is sitting across the desk from me and says, "Okay, before we start, I just need to geek out for a second. I loved Quantum Leap. <laughs> I used to watch it with my family, and and every Thursday we would get together and and I would hear these stories that were incredibly moving, um, about how people were affected by the show, how it inspired or influenced events in their life as a family, as a teen, you know, the brothers and sisters that watched together, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters that watched it together. Um, it, it had a powerful effect on people and it, it lingers to this day. And I know for a fact that when people hear the saga cell, my voiceover for the opening saga cell, people get emotional. There's a visceral reaction to it because it ties back to who they were, you know, as a parent, as a child, as a sibling, um, that show was a friend to them. They saw themselves in it more often than not. And, and again, as a family, we're able to sit down and talk about it. And, um, and I go back to, to Stephen and, and Brian and the fact that they they captured uh, enough of those elements in the in the pilot from the day I read it. I went, okay, these are the people that should do this show because they obviously love it, they obviously care about it, they want it to belong to the fans in that sense. So, um, you know, and and time will tell. And I and I ask the fans to. And I asked the network and the studio to give the show time to find its legs um, with with the new elements that they've added, which I can't talk about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it must be daunting, though, after all this time with, like you say, there's all this, this expectation and the, the build-up over, what, the last 25 years and all those memories, and now to be bringing it back. is. Does, do Do you or the rest of the crew feel that kind of weight on you, or is it just this is such a fantastic show. It's this is going to be great. This is going to be loved.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody feels that way because it's so beloved, you know, it's like to take anything that people love and to bring it back and not do it honor. Um, people get pissed and they will tell you about it really concisely. They will tell you about it. Um, you know, even when the show was on, uh, I joke all the time where we would get these letters where people watch the show so closely. And if there was, um, you know, inconsistency in the show or something, people would write in and say, well, you did this and this wasn't the same. And in scene three, it wasn't the same as in scene six. And we finally would write back and say, Oh, thank you so much for giving us that information. The person responsible has been fired. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we get letters back saying, "Oh no, 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 we didn't mean people were going to get by <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that when you love something, you want it to touch you again, and um, you know, I, I hope as well as you do that that's going to happen, and that people aren't going to be too cynical, um, to. To go, oh no, that's not right, or that doesn't feel good, or you know, oh, it's we're too jaded in this world to to be able to do this in twenty twenty two. You know, we've got a we've got an opportunity to again take two sides of a story and and tell it, whether it's just an intimate story about some people that you hopefully care about, or it's a story that has social relevance to it and let the audience have a conversation about it. So if you stand on one side of this very politically divided country and somebody else stands on the other, but the concept and, and the conversation is maybe about something that happened 25 years ago or 30 years ago. I'm not sure um, how exactly old Ben is, um, Raymond Lee, uh, but Ben in the character is in the, the show. I'm thinking he's, he's like 35, but Raymond, if I'm wrong, <laughs> it's just the characters. You. Um, so we're talking about going back to 1995. What are the events that happened uh, in 1995? And, um, and, and how can we pull from s- some events that were life-changing? And um, how were people affected by them? And which side of that wall do you stand on? And can you now, because it's, because we had the distance of time. When I wrote um, Black on Wine on Fire, when I wrote uh, uh, The Color of Truth, um, we had distance on there, but, but there were people who didn't realize, for example, um, civil rights, the idea that a black person couldn't come into a cafe and sit down at a. in a chair, um, there were people who didn't know that happened. And Quantum Leap is kind of, uh, it's a little bit of being in the room where it happened, as Hamilton says, in the sense that we get to see hopefully history as it happened and then be able to count count on it. Because a lot of times it's not in our history books. It's not taught in our schools. Um, Sadly, uh, I, I remember when um, The Color of Truth aired, I got a letter from a, a teacher. And I think her class was like 10-year-olds. And um, she brought in a VHS. Remember VHSs? <laughs> and she put it in and she played it to where he walked in. And the opening monologue that he says says something about, you know, I don't know where I was or what I was doing there. All I knew was I was hungry. So he goes in and he sits down and and she stops the tape. And she says to these 10 year olds, what do you think happened? And they went, well, he got lunch. You know, that's the big deal. What, what do you mean what happened? <laughs> he said he was hungry. And so she then she started the tape and they saw the reaction to people. They saw the anger and the hostility. And then they saw that he was a black man and she stopped the tape again and they were livid. Why would some, why would people do that? Why, how could that even have happened? And she was shocked that, A, they didn't know about it because it never came up in their homes. You know, everybody thinks it's, race is done. But the truth was, they didn't know. And she had a great teachable moment to begin a conversation with them that these 10-year-olds could then go home and um, talk to their parents about. And the beauty, beauty of it was, she said that, the show did that so many times. So the the distance of time um, makes things not easier, but not as visceral, not as um, unnerving to people. They can listen to it. They can talk about it because it's not right now. But the truth is, it is kind of right now. And so time... Shows that things don't change and, and this is a show that gives the opportunity to say, Hey, this happened way back then. How do you feel about that? And then if you feel that way now, what about these things that are happening right now? We don't have to have that conversation. We just have to open the door to that conversation. And, and, and my hope is that the studio and the network because even back then they were terrified of it. When I said, I want to do Sam as a black man, uh, you know, Don even said, no, 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 that's year three. That's year three. We'll try that year three. And um, the head of the network, Brandon Tartikoff went, "Mm -hmm, I think she's right. Let's, let's go for it. And it was so well received that I think it was one of the things that really took the show to the next level if
0: that makes any sense. Of course. And that kind of touches upon something that I I really wanted to ask, um, because you were able to sort of push the envelope with different historical events uh, in the original series. Did um, you find that, uh, or or do you think that today's TV environment um, gives you an opportunity to, um, you know, tell stories that you wouldn't have been able to tell, the first time around, does it broaden the types of topics that you might be able to cover if you want to have those teachable moments and make a show with the same kind of heart and DNA as, as Quantumly Pad? those moments where a teacher can put it on in the classroom and say, what do you think? Do you you have a a broader pool of ideas and topics that you think that you'll be able to do now that you wouldn't have been able to do back then?
1: Well, like I'm going to ask you, give me an example of what you're thinking.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, Mason,
1: let me throw it back on you.
0: (laughs) You, you, you have a non-binary character in the main cast, which is something that is, um, exceedingly rare for TV today. Uh, that's something I don't think you would have been able to do back in 89, 90, 91. Um, so, so, so things like that, um, different social issues that have, um, maybe come to the fore, uh, more of late that traditionally a network would be terrified of, but which you can embrace because of the current TV environment. Um
1: you know, again, you have to have visionaries in the the people that push the button to say this goes on. And even you know, we I don't know if you guys know this, but in when we did Black on White and Fire, there were five states that wouldn't air it because it was an interracial relationship. Even though he leapt into a young black doctor, the only time you saw him as black was when he looked in the mirror but he was in a relationship with a white woman for 98% of the show. It was Scott Bakula. And and I don't remember the woman's name that played his love interest, uh, love interest. Um, But they wouldn't put it on the air. Now, would that happen today? That's an interesting question, especially because of right now, the laws that are being passed. (laughs) Think about it. Think about it that they're passing laws in Texas and Georgia and all these other places. I I don't remember how many states are passing these crazy voting laws and segregating, you know, uh, gerrymandering, uh, certain things. So that's why I said quantum leap is needed right now. We can have a whole other plethora of conversations that need to happen so that we don't go backwards. Um, will the show be able to do that again? That's, you know, network is different from streamers. You've got, you know, that there, there's just a different conversation that happens on shows. Um, so I don't know that I have the answer to that. I would like to have that happen because that's the, the heart of the show, but it's not my network. And I, I would hope that there are visionaries, there, that are like the visionaries um, that I had the privilege to work with uh, Carrie McCluggage at, at the studio, and um, Richard White's um, and, and, and Brandon Tartikoff at the network. If we are, are blessed with people who are saying, This is a great story, these are great performances, you know, we're going to put it out there and then let the country talk about the fact that somebody didn't want to put it on their network because they felt it was critical race theory. And and that has, even though it's history, we're dealing with real history that needs to be told and needs to be talked about.
4: I think that's why the show's had such a lasting impact because history repeats itself. So even if it's not exactly the same situation, A lot of things that have happened in the past echo what happened today. So I think you're right. And that's why the show is needed now. And I think that's why it's going to translate very well into the current day, into whatever issues that happens to be wrapped up in now.
1: Yeah. Well said, Allison.
4: I agree. Um, I don't
0: know if you're allowed to discuss this but um no. one thing that uh we have <laughs> <laughs> we have noticed that uh the premise of the show uh for, for the reboot is is somewhat expanded it's it's equally it seems to be back at the project and um Raymond has been leaping so it seems like there are two aspects now that you're going to be going forward and exploring. In, in, in anyway, the pilot sets it up that way, and it also seems that you have um, a much more diverse cast this time around. You were able to, since you were expanding the cast, to to pull from a lot of different backgrounds. And uh, I, I don't know if you if you can speak to to that aspect of the show for for the reboot.
1: I mean, I think again that goes back to. Um Um, to Stephen and Brian. And if you looked at, if you looked at God friended me and that cast, it was very, very diverse. So. um, They're two really cool white guys (laughs) who just (laughs) have a vision into what the world looks like. This is what the world looks like. These are the people that are in this world and they're taking a chance. And there are people that may or may not like that diverse uh, diversity in, in this story in that cast. But I think there'll be few and far between. Um, A, if I can't say this, it's enough times we belong to one race, the human race. And until we get that, we're never going to evolve. Ever, ever, ever. And um, we all have the same stories. We all have the same wants and desires. We want um a good home we want food f- healthy food for our families to eat we want our children to go to good schools it doesn't matter what color you are we want to be safe and not feel like somebody's going to turn into a dictator and and put us into to civil war we don't want that we don't want to live through that so does that make us any less human because of the color of our skin or the texture of our hair i think not but it has been so ingrained in the culture for political reasons, for monetary reasons to, um, to use that, that definition, those definitions of, of what is right and what is wrong and who is better and who should have more. Um, and we need to talk about it. We need to um, fix it again. We'll never evolve. And, we'll destroy the planet because those people who feel like they should have everything will be greedy and they will take everything at the cost to the planet and to the people. And, you know, I have two beautiful granddaughters um, and I worry about the world that they're going to grow up in. Will they have air? Will they have water? Will they have food? Will there be a war in this country? And, until we talk to each other and realize that nobody wants a war and we can start making stuff again. You know, there's a lot of things that, Oh my God, you, each of you could probably sit here and tell me a quantum leap episode that would be meaningful to you. uh, If not just a broken relationship or something that was, is Earth shaking and can change the world um because we're human and we know that we want the best for each other most of us there are those creepy people that just want everything (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) well i think one, one of the um one of the hallmarks of of the original Quantum Leap was not only the heart and the issues, but the humor, and a lot of that humor came from uh, a certain parallel hybrid computer who had a very um, distinct snarky voice. Uh, might, uh, might, might, might uh, we be hearing from Ziggy again in this Wait, series? Wait a minute, I gotta give credit. And to will Ziggy have uh, th- th- the same voice?
1: <laughs> we have to give credit to Dean Stockwell, who, God rest his soul, just left us last year. And you know, a moment of love for Dean, and I got to talk to him a couple of times um, near the end, and he was that still strange, quirky, funny. I I, I was so grateful t- to have him on the show. He and Scott just had the most beautiful chemistry and relationship, and they were like daddies on the set. They knew every name of. Everybody that worked on that show, they knew their families. They would ask about how the kids were. They cared. And I think it's what made going to work so phenomenal. Um, and I miss him. I really do miss him. And I'm sad that he's not here to come back. But in his own way, you know, you can't take you can't take Sam and Al out of the show. They're part of the history of the show. So they'll be there. And therefore, so will Ziggy. And so, yeah. Um, I can't say much more than that, other than um, I have a unique voice. And theorizing that time travel can, <laughs> <laughs> can change <laughs> that's our that's lives. <laughs> um, but again, we're going to see how it, how it evolves, but they keep putting in the newspaper, narrator, Deborah Pratt. They say co-narray. I haven't figured out what that means yet. And I actually asked someone, I said, <laughs> what does co narrator mean? <laughs> so. Is it being published
4: now? Narrator, co narrator Oh, in the papers,
1: when they've made the announcements for various things, and they said Don and, you know, Don Dosario, Deborah Pratt, executive producers. Uh, and then behind my name in parens, it always says, uh, and co-narrator. And I'm going... Oh, So they may have some kind of surprise that they're not telling me about. But um, oh. but they, <laughs> they also said that when they pitched um, to the network, they said that there was a hundred people, like a hundred people on the Zoom, and they opened with My Saga Cell. And when people heard my voice, they started freaking out and cheering and everything. So... <laughs> Um, again, I think it, 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 touches some visceral flashback memory of your youth. And, and I'm grateful for that and I'm happy to deliver it again. And um, if it gives people the feeling of, you know, come in, draw close to the fire let us tell you a story kind of thing, because that's to me what good television is about.
0: Do you have any kind of timeline as to when uh, we might be seeing the pilot air, or do we even know if it's going to? No,
1: air, that's the thing? point. That's why I said we're early on this. And then and the studio yeah. sent me this whole thing. Says, "Well, it, we're early. We can't say anything." Um, you know, I hope. Is, <laughs> a, and I I texted that to Stephen and Brian today. I said, "I'm saying they take a look at the pilot and go straight to series. Get it on. But it would still take." just let's talk about the process of of making television. They would still have to um, boot up, as they say, Um, meaning offices and uh, crew and staff and, you know, writing staff. And um, we're going to be shooting, even though we shot the pilot in Vancouver, we're supposed to shoot the series in LA. Um, It would mean all the designers, costume designer sets, everything would have to come together. Then we would start shooting probably in July. And trust me, you want at least, if you can have at least six shows in the can before you air, and it takes about three weeks from pre-production to production to post production to get that in the can. So you're looking at, you know, October. If everything goes well, um even if and that's even that's if we have to wait, if they don't do as I suggest to them I don't know why they don't listen to me. If I don't if they don't do as um I'm suggesting and saying go to series, because then we could actually go to series, you know, go into the the, the, the um organization side of it, into development, into production, and then um I would say we could be on Late August, early September. Was it April? Maybe, maybe. And that would kind of put us ahead of the pack, which is nice. But, you know, there's still some traditions. Again, this isn't like, this isn't streaming where you shoot all the episodes. But here's the difference. In streaming, you get eight or 10, if I'm not mistaken. And then they put it out there and you can binge it and watch it. In television, it's still appointment television. You got to, you know, I guess you can sit it down and record the whole thing and then come in whenever you want to come in. But the beauty of it um is that whatever night it comes on at whatever time it comes on, if you want to be there to see it, to talk about it, you've got to come to the table. And, um, you know, we forget how empowering that is. I, I don't know if anybody knows this, but in 1989, this is amazing to me. In 1989, we discovered after about the first four or five shows, chat rooms. And in the chat rooms, they were leapers. They didn't know they were leapers yet, but they were leapers and they would talk about the show. So we could actually go in, not necessarily, I don't think we engaged with them other than to just sit and listen. We found out what they liked and what they didn't like and what was exciting to them. And now, um, you know, years later, you have that whole Twitter live feed thing, but truthfully, quantum leap started it back in the day when, and, and before that, it was water cooler conversation. You went to work the next day and said, Oh, did you see so and so? Did you watch such and such? And people talked about it. But I think we started a, we started a trend and um, I love that. I love that we were trendsetters. And, and then you look at shows like Pretty Little Liars, um, you know, 30 years later, uh, that I guess it was 20 years later. Tw- no, 30 years later that did the, the live tweets during the show. And then that went on to other shows, but it was the, the, the teens, um, uh, that, That really started that and empowered Twitter so that uh, Nielsen ratings had to then take them into consideration because you would have people talking about the shows um, while the show was going on. I I tried it because that was Troyan's show. I don't know if you remember, she did um, Another Mother. And uh, I tried one time to sit and tweet during the show (laughs) because I thought it was cool. I had to watch the show. I couldn't, I couldn't divide my attention to sit there and make comments. Well, what is so and so going to do? I couldn't do it at the commercials. I would do it, but God forbid if it was anything else. So I'm, I'm glad or I'm hoping, um, and BC will pick it up. I'm assuming it'll double window with Peacock, but I, I mean, these are things that I don't know. I can tell you my wishes. That's about it.
0: So I guess uh, the question that I draw from that is that from everything we've read in the trades and stuff, it it seems to be um, a foregone conclusion that this will be a streaming series for Peacock. Are you saying that there's a chance that NBC might pick it up for regular series on the network?
1: So I don't see why not. I know that they, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's where it went. Uh, And again, the whole hierarchy, it's an enigma to me. To me, they're kind of all the same, you know, the double window idea. So this is just, if anything, my opinion. I can't say one way or the other. All I know is it went to NBC today. No one is called?
4: It's um, it's in- interesting that you'd mentioned that um, the pilot shot in Vancouver, if it went to series, it would be shooting in LA. I don't think I'd heard that before. It happens a lot. Like, is this just a, a budgetary yeah. thing or? Yeah. You just get a lot
1: more for your money up there. Um, But it's, but to have a show that actually shoots in LA is very expensive. You know, and in truth, they had a lot, a lot more money than we did, which is, you know, you'll see on the screen how and why <laughs> um, we couldn't do. We, we couldn't, you know, very, very rarely did you see Gucci or Al in the imaging chamber and stuff like that. We couldn't do it. We couldn't afford it. You need a big budget to, to create all that, that visual effects. And um, so... I'm hoping that, that they got to do what it looks like they're gonna, gonna, but who knows? I mean, it may revert back to. There's so many unknowns.
4: There's just so many unknowns. That, that's going to be so cool, though. <laughs> Just like, so it's going to be cool to see, like, I want to see, yeah, I just want to see, like, the really cool project stuff. And I feel like it really is going to get picked up for series. Like, I'm really stoked for this. And, like, I'm stoked to see, like, the waiting room when it's not just a blue screen and stuff, you know, like, kind of like what what it can be done with it now and just um, see the evolution of this, this franchise. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Can I
0: infer from what you just said that the final cut is done?
1: Oh, well, no, cause there's still studio, there's still network notes.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So you get the director's cut and Helen Shaver was wonderful. I mean, she just had some visionary, um, uh, ideas on how to shoot it. And, um, it's very lyrical. I like her shooting a lot. This, uh, and then it goes to the producers, and they do a cut, then it goes to the studio, they give notes, they get a cut, and then the network, who's the finally de- final determination, um, gets a cut. And then,
0: I see. So maybe it may be. You're waiting on?
1: Yeah, we're waiting on notes from the network. Gotcha. To see what they like and what they didn't like. Oh, and then there's test audiences. You know about those, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I'll volunteer. Yeah. There
4: you go. I think think we should stack the deck with leapers. Absolutely. If anyone knows quantum leap, it's us. We'll be like, all right.
1: (laughs) Here's our next. Put you in a room with a little, a little, uh, a little. I don't know. It's like a remote, and it has a dial on it. And if you like something, you turn it up to a certain number. If you don't like something, you turn it down. So that that still has to happen and then there's you know if it doesn't get picked up instantly it goes to what's called upfronts and upfronts is where um they then let the press look at it and based on you know they announce to the press these are the shows that have been chosen they get to see the first um the first public viewing and then that public viewing goes To um, is what goes, you know, and then they'll still make changes all the way to the end. Trust me. Trust me, they'll make changes all the way to the very end. But you'll get to, you know, you'll get it last. What can I say? The people that really deserve (laughs) it, want it,
4: you have to wait.
3: We've waited this long.
4: Yeah. It's kind of cool following from this stage, though, like the little bits and pieces, a lot of which is Matt has dug up and put on his website, you know, trying to figure out like what's going on and see how it evolves over time. Again, I really think it's going to get picked up and it's going to be cool to see like what the final product is going to be. So what have you found out, Matt? Well,
3: <laughs> I've just been stalking everyone's Instagram. The, the team have been putting a <laughs> lot of stuff out there.
1: I saw Raymond had a picture of his beautiful little baby up today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get to know them to his people. So what? So what else are you finding? Come on, tell me.
3: So what we've got? Um, yeah, we, we got all the cast pretty early on. Um, so many photos around Vancouver. I mean, I think yeah, as soon as you went on location, that was oh the point where Twitter just exploded, right? And
1: well, it was it was funny. Anytime we were outside, you know, doing any big stuff, people were out there like taking pictures and videos.
3: I got to make a lot of new friends in Vancouver from just tweeting around <laughs> oh, and people and saying, you? "You you don't know me, but just go outside <laughs> now and start taking pictures." It's this did. thing called Quantum Leap is fine. It's good.
1: They found us, and they did take pictures, and it was interesting too because I mean, cell phones are so instant. It it was on the it was on the on the street and on Twitter and Instagram like the that night or that day.
0: Yeah, and that yeah. was Matt so. was a sleuth. He was a sleuth with that. He deducted, um, like he said, some of the cast before they were announced officially, just based on uh, you know putting. Piece, bits and pieces together and I don't know if you know this ever, but um, I'm single handed re- responsible for getting Ernie Hudson cast because we did a fan casting show <laughs> and when they talked about magic I said Ernie Hudson would be perfect for magic and then like a week later they said Ernie Hudson is playing magic so yeah. I was like I'll take okay. credit for
1: that thank you Chris <laughs> I remember the script I said the same thing I said Ernie Hudson and Ernie and I had worked together wow. in Vancouver God, do I have that picture? Um, we worked together in Vancouver on a, on a very funny movie called Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone.
0: It's see. a
3: classic. It
4: sounds amazing. Have
3: very- not seen that? I feel like I might have seen that. I've not Space Brilliant. Hunter,
4: but from the title <laughs> alone, it sounds great.
3: I was, a, a friend of mine forced me to sit down and watch it. I never heard of it. And halfway through, I just said... That's Deborah Pratt. And he's not into Quantum Leap. <laughs> so it meant nothing.
4: Hey.
1: Peter Strauss, Ring. Awesome. Ringwald. That's sweet. Uh, Ernie, me, and that was the director, Lamont Johnson.
4: <laughs> wow. What a cast. And it was really funny because Amazing.
1: when the script was first written and we, I flew to Moab, Utah, and then we were up in, in uh, um, Vancouver for the interior stuff. And uh, I was leader of the Earth Girls, Megan, leader of the Earth Girls. And we had like all these cool, incredible spacesuit stuff. And and um, all of a sudden, we realized that the writer-director, who was an editor, who Ivan Reitman had given the opportunity to um, direct this very expensive movie in 3D, the original movie was made in 3D.
0: I did see this in the theater. Now I remember that.
1: (laughs) And um, he couldn't talk to the actors. He was so shy that he would lean to, like, the cameraman or the script supervisor and says, Okay, tell her that I want her to. (laughs) So they they finally all came down, and Ivan fired him. And they had to fire a new director. In the, in the beginning of production. So we sat in Moab, Utah, for like two weeks till the new director, Lamont Johnson, came on. And they threw out his script. So we're sitting there. Now it's gone to four weeks sitting in the desert. And I noticed that the pages that are coming out, they have us like running around and being attacked by whatever the creatures were that were on the planet that we were on. And all my fabulous dialogue was gone. I had this, we were the whole reason. And the entire movie happened and we had nothing to say. So now we started in like the beginning of October. Now it's like Thanksgiving. And I go up to Lamont and I said, Lamont, you know, the whole reason of the film is that the earth girls are going to be rescued by these people. And, you know, we should really have a presence in the movie. And he goes, no, no, no. I think the earth girls are like the golden fleece off in the distance unattainable. And I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I went and back to my room that night and I knew that the writers had a writer's room. And I literally left my room, went to the writer's room. It was open. And I sat down and wrote the first thing I ever wrote for a movie which was a seven page scene for the earth girls. And that next morning I took it and I gave it to Ivan Reitman. The only thing I say in that movie I wrote, and that's what made me be- wow. <laughs> It's Amazing. It's the true story. It's wow. the only reason I, I realized that unless I write for myself, nobody's going to write for me. <laughs> Sad, but true.
0: Do you envision a place for yourself if this goes to series on the writing staff like you had in addition to producing and voicing Ziggy?
1: Um, I know I want to direct an episode. I, I also want to, I have, I don't know if you guys remember, I started writing a book called Time Child about Sammy Joe, mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I have always believed, and I'm going to say it again and again and again and again, I believe that Quantum Leap has the same marketability as Star Trek. So there can be a series of quantum leap series and there can be a series of quantum leap movies. And my, and Don has talked about doing, um, uh, a movie as well. And so I would really like to do the movie. I, you know, we haven't had the conversation of, of, um, how deep involved I'll I'll be with the show. I, I I'm definitely a part of it. I mean, uh, I've been there for all of it. I give my notes and and they're very respectful to them because I know the show. I know the secrets. I know all the Easter eggs. I love that they put magic in as an Easter egg.
0: Yeah, we were, we were a bit dubious when we heard that. We said, that sounds so much like fan casting. That can't be real. And lo and behold, like the next day it was confirmed. (laughs) We were like, wow, that is so cool. (laughs) Somebody who knows the show is obviously writing this for us in some degree. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
0: So it gives, it gives us hope. Mm. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's what makes it very exciting. And, um, and that's why I think it's going to be a really good show. And, you know, as it fans out, if, uh, they got me in the sense that, I always tell the story of, you know, King Solomon, where the two women come up and say, that's my baby. Oh, that's my baby. And Solomon goes, okay, I'll cut it in half and give each two, each of you. And the real mother says, no, no, give it to her. I would rather that it live than that it die. And so no matter where Quantum Leap goes, I'm going with it in some capacity or another. <laughs> and we'll figure those things out Um as time goes on, I do. Uh, I think my voice, uh, uh, Ziggy, and, and the narrator are unique to the show. And, oh, look at that cute face. All those kisses. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Penelope. It's Penelope.
1: Penelope. Penelope Cruz. <laughs>
3: Penelope's a fan I, too.
0: I apologize. That's
1: okay. That's not like she that. found it.
0: She's dad. like, Where's daddy? Oh, Here now. he is.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I don't, I don't know that those, (laughs) those decisions have been made. Uh, They can't be made until the show is picked up. I think that's why, um, I think that's why I can't answer that question in the sense that until the show is picked up, I don't know what, what's going to happen with it and where my needs are going to be.
0: So maybe if I can broaden out from that question. Given, uh, given that this might be, um, in a streaming environment, uh, we know that, um, Quantum Leap was very much an anthology series and it was just Scott and Dean in different situations every week. It seems like this series is at least going to take place somewhat back at the project. Um, do you see a, a new series if it goes forward, um, embracing more of the serialized nature of, of TV shows today. NBA. And um, NDA. Gotcha. That okay.
3: <laughs> That's your safe word. safe word. I'll just take that as a yes.
4: <laughs> Penelope's going to tell that everyone.
0: <laughs> That's, right. That's it. Penelope sat on my lap, and NDA, it's the first time it was invoked. But uh, all right, all right. So, can we see the new hand lake? <laughs>
1: NDA. I have to they, were, they were so enamored, by, and I couldn't find mine. Dean got one, um, I got one, and the studio got one. And they put the studio one in like a glass case somewhere. And over the years, it completely yeah. faded, completely. Yeah. And then um, when Dean passed away, uh, his son sent me... A photo of Dean's. And I forgot how absolutely beautiful it is. I'm gonna have to go in my storage where I have so much stuff and see if I can find it.
0: Wow, that is beaut.
1: There. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. there. It's so beautiful and it still works. You know, so it's got its own special powers. I hope that somehow or another it, it ties back in in some way. But I don't know. I don't know. And the new one is pretty cool. If you remember, you know, we had a couple of versions. Not many. Once we went with this mm-hmm. one, we were we were with it. But if you remember when the show first came on, there was one um, that was like clear smoked plexiglass.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. love that one too. It was just so clean and futuristic looking. So it, it makes sense that that it would evolve again. And um, and I can't think of the production designer's name, Margo, Margo, Margot. I loved her work on everything. She's very talented, and I think she'll blow you away. But I got to find her name because I want to say it right.
3: Is it wrong? I'm going to my own website to race you for this.
1: Will will show it. We'll show <laughs> it on the IMDb or something. Uh Margot Reddy? Yeah. Yes, Margot Reddy. Um, very talented woman. And um and I I hope we get to steal her down to um Los Angeles when the show goes. I don't know if she's native to Vancouver or not, but she every set I walked on, I just went, Wow. She just kind of blew me away. The designs blew me away. And um and, and she was nice. I keep telling you, all the people on the show are really nice, as were the people on the original show. So I feel, I feel that energy, you know. And I feel like, I mean, Scott definitely deserves movies. Um, I've always thought of him as a movie star, and and I really hope that we get to do the Quantum Leap movie, so that he would come and do one or two or three or five of them.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, Star Trek,
1: right? <laughs> we have, to have reason to yeah. come back, so let's do the movies for sure. This gets me
3: excited.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All the possibilities. It's talking about th- that, that production design, uh, the future of Quantum Leap had such a distinct look. It was it was off the wall a little bit. Um, Jean-Pierre's fashions were amazing. Did did any of the spirit of that carry over? Into the you can say NDA, but uh, I, I I just feel like if we're going 30 years, I would love to see them extrapolate 30 years from you know the future that was presented in the original you, show. You want
3: the LED fashions back, right? <laughs> I I know hey, it's really funny.
1: I found I don't know what I did with it. I found a Christmas gift I gave out. Do you remember on one of Jean Pierre's costume there was a neon star that Al wore, and mm-hmm. one year. I I ordered for everybody, cast and crew, this neon star and still in its wrapper with a name tag from Deborah to and then it wasn't to anybody. Um, It has one of those. I didn't open it. So I'm assuming it has one of the stars in it. But I remember the box. I remember the gift. That's so funny. Wow. I
0: I hope you were able to sneak one on set.
1: (laughs) I wore my Quantum Leap uh, golf (laughs) shirt one day to set. Everybody went, oh. And then there were people, it was funny. Uh, there were people uh, that were extras and they tried to wear Quantum Leap t shirts with Scott Bakula on them. And we went, no, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that. Quantum Leap hasn't happened yet. Don't do
4: that. So, so those kind of things. Matt, do you have your. That, Matt, do you have your hand link on hand? you got to show off your hand link and then your
3: future... Of course hat. not. Of course I don't <laughs> have it right
4: here. Oh, there you go. Did you
1: make
3: Beauty. that yourself? No, I bought it, but it's yeah, it's a good replica, though. Alison, you've got one as well. Come yeah, on, don't, a, don't make um, me out to be the only one.
4: Oh, I have... Yeah, I have two. Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> I'm the only
0: one that doesn't have one, Deborah. and they rub it in my face every chance they get.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to uh, yeah, I have to let um, them know because they've been looking for them. Uh, look at yours. They're okay, beautiful. Okay, you've got to... yeah, What does yeah, um, something like that go for?
3: That, that was a few hundred bucks.
4: A few hundred bucks?
3: It's, um, yeah, six, it it's, like it's
0: $650 now. And,
4: yeah, one of them's mm-hmm. like I got one that uh, doesn't light up and then the other one with lights and sound. Yeah, we can... um. Hook you up with the we can person who the them. There's like replica, yeah, yeah replica maker, replica prop props. Com. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, gentleman named Morgan, he's been on our mm-hmm. show before, talking about the process. It was an arduous process for them to faithfully recreate yeah. the hand link down to the most minute detail with the sounds and everything. So it's it's a really
3: terrific prop to have.
1: That is a very. Are you trying to
3: get me to show off my other?
1: Yes, uh, please.
3: Thank yeah, you. <laughs>
4: future boy hat. <laughs>
3: Good. I, this is not to hand because I wasn't expecting you to do that. Uh, from Richard. Richard Heard had this in his collection until just a few years back.
1: Do you remember which episode that was from?
3: Future Boy.
1: Future Boy. Yeah. So it's, good.
3: I'm so happy.
1: That's so funny. You know, the, those guy. were the kind of things that I loved having at the conventions. You know, um, I was really surprised when Universal, uh, I mean, when NBC canceled us. They just couldn't find anything like us to, to program us with. And we kept coming in, and wherever they moved us, bless the fans, they followed and we would do well. So they would try to anchor us on a show or put us in the middle of a show and, and people would come watch quantum leap and then they would go away. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that there's so much magic that happens. And then when we left, when we went off the air, how many, how many quantum leap ish shows were out there? Sliders. Hmm. Uh, first, ed- was it third ed- first edition? Early edition.
3: Huh? Early edition. I think
1: early, edition. Yeah, yeah, early, early edition. Yeah, that's coming back, or they're trying to bring it back.
3: Yeah,
4: that got announced right around the time the Quantum Leap got announced. They,
3: I think they were starting to film in Vancouver around about when you were wrapping up because I saw yes. I saw a couple of photos of people saying this is Quantum Leap. But that's not Quantum Leap. That's something else going the, on.
4: The rivalry, oh. the Quantum Leap early edition rivalry. <laughs> it's true. I mean,
1: people to this day, people will say that, give me something like quantum leap. They, they're still looking for it, which is why Perlini and Bobway said, we got quantum leap. Why are we not bringing quantum leap back? <laughs> so I give her a huge amount of credit for, you know, making this happen. Um, and, 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 being a fan of the show and wanting it to, to be right and caring about it enough to, to make it right. But there's so many shows. And, and I guess when I saw uh, Chris Pine in wonder woman two, do a mirror image, (laughs) Uh,
4: (laughs) I was thinking a quantum leap as well. (laughs) Definitely.
1: You know, it's like when we did the show originally and it first came out, we got this nasty reviewer and he said, they broke all the rules of time travel. And Don and I looked at each other and went, what rules of time travel? Nobody's ever time traveled before we thought that was the funniest thing we'd ever heard. So the fact that it's become zeitgeist and enough to, to know that, Hey, you know, time and space is limited. You can't just leap in as a whole other person. You have to leap into somebody else and knock them out. Um, is now a, a piece of, of, uh, what do you call
4: that? It's a piece of, is it?
0: It's in the zeitgeist. It is, is
4: zeitgeist. Sci fi history. Yeah. yeah. Well, now do
1: you have, you have questions from fans? Are there, is there anybody or is this just us and we're not live or how does that work? Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody that's out there.
0: <laughs> we are um, not live. This is uh, well, when you come like, we're
1: I'm the
0: sure we'll fans. get a ton of <laughs> questions from fans, and yeah, I was going to say you're you're <laughs> listening to the fans ask the questions.
3: <laughs> we rely on Chris to edit us and make us look good,
0: or Albie. But uh, yeah, no, I mean uh, the thing is, it's it's we're all just like so excited that we don't know where to turn next because we just want to know everything we possibly can about the the new show, and we realize that there are just things that at this moment that you can't really divulge. So any insight that you can give us into the process and into the finished product that you're allowed to is just, it's, it's, it's like a from heaven for anybody listening right now, because we've all been waiting for this. I think you most of all for the last 30 years. So it's, it's, Just such a privilege to be a Quantum Leap fan at the moment. And it's even more of a privilege to be uh, a host or a set of hosts on a Quantum Leap podcast because it, it, we've never had more exciting times talking about Quantum Leap. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's for us, it's crazy. So you have the biggest gushing fan people right here.
1: I really appreciate it. You know, it's really funny. I was doing, um, uh, women's history, um, Conversation where I was just talking about my life and my career and how I got to Hollywood and, you know, started as a singer dancer and who I worked with and how I tried to audition for Star Wars and then ended up working for Debbie Reynolds and being at Carrie Fisher's house the day she got Princess Leia. (laughs) I wanted Princess Leia. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And, and I think that, um, we started talking a little bit about um, about the new quantum leap kind of in the end, but like like with you guys, there was only so much I could say. I showed a picture of well actually they put up a picture that's what started it that Brian um Winbrandt had taken and put on um, um, Instagram or yeah, I think it was Instagram of we all went out to dinner. So the full cast, Brian and Steven, Helen and I, we all went out to dinner in Vancouver and he, we took a group shot and he posted it. And, um, and so I said, I started introducing, uh, the cast and, and talking about, uh, Raymond Lee and Raymond and Caitlin Bassett, who is brand new, brand new. I mean, in the sense that I, she won a ABC star contest after she had come off of three tours in Afghanistan, which, uh,
0: wow. was pretty impressive right wow, there. It's
1: crazy. And she decided to go into acting and, um, she, she won the same contest. I believe Jesse Williams won that got him on, um, uh, Grey's Anatomy. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that, Turns it out, Ernie Hudson, of course, Nan Lee, and Matt and Mason Alexander Park. So everybody was in that picture, um, and I think I think Brian Lindenberg was in it too. So I started, you know, just introducing the cast at that point. But there was not much more I could say. I I was shocked, and you may be shocked at you know people are like you; they're out hunting for any bits of. And pieces of information so it got picked up and i think to today or the past couple of days by uh, wi-fi and
0: sci-fi wire sci-fi
1: wire right sorry sci-fi wire yes sci-fi wire and one other what was the other one
0: I only know because it popped up on my Google. Oh, really? Feed today.
1: Yeah. So it's all crazy. and it said it's Deborah Pratt and wrong.
0: Ziggy two 0, <laughs> and I didn't read it because I don't know if you know this. We're we're big fans, but Alice and I have both decided uh, that we want to be like kids on Christmas. Eve yes,
4: When this comes out, you. we we
0: so it's but it's so hard, you know, walking that line, being you know trying to bring new stuff onto the podcast, but yet mm. remaining spoiler free. Yeah. So it's going to be increasingly difficult, I'm sure, as you know, more stuff. A lot of stuff out
1: there. Um, okay, so sci fi.com and bleedingcool.com. <sighs> you know, it's not mainstream news by any point, but you know, it people wanna know. They're like you. They they love the show, they care about it being as good as it can be. And um inquiry minds wanna know. But I think you're right. It's Christmas. So don't open, don't find the presents in the closet. (laughs) Leave them alone. Appreciate what's still out there. The the original is out there and will stay out there. And I think maybe it's just because it's a time travel anthology. It never dates. You know, you're already dated. (laughs) It's a period show from the minute you turn it on. So it it doesn't matter that um, that was made in 1989 and supposedly took place. And, you know, if he started the project in 1995 and and it was failing by 1999, 1999 was when he, and that's always been a big kind of argument back and forth, um, was when he left. He did his first leap. And um, when you were talking about and I give Don big kudos for this, when he did the girl in the high heels with the sparkly shoes and in that opening sequence, um, because we couldn't afford to go in to do anything but the actual leap itself. And the car, uh, I think it was like a Ferrari that they bent neon around to show. And it's really funny because a lot of that maybe. Not necessarily exterior on a car, but if you go into the very high-end cars, there's all this neon on the inside and in colors of these big, expensive cars. So I, I think um, mm-hmm. it was very f- future-thinking that um, we did that. And then, again, Jean-Pierre Doliac is incredibly talented, um, and he really found you know, that whole thing of, of Al, who was such an incredible character— uh, and made the show so fun. And I feel bad for Ben because <laughs> Scott was in every scene. We tried to kill him. We didn't mean to. We didn't try. <laughs> but the, my favorite thing in the world was to walk into his trailer and say, "And say, okay, this month you're nine months pregnant, and you're gonna have a baby." <laughs> and he would look at me in blank <laughs> face for a second and go, "Okay." <laughs> Okay. And I went out and I got um, (laughs) a maternity belly and it was a nine month belly that you strapped on. You filled it with hot water. So you felt the temperature change of your body. You put mm, shotgun pellets in the pockets that laid up against your kidneys. So it made you feel like you had to go to the bathroom all the time. But what it did was it made it so that he could not just stand up because you can't lean forward. So he had to do that pregnant woman thing where you kind of slide over to the side to stand up. (laughs) And he was so good about it. He was just, you know, the first time he was a woman, um, in what price Gloria, we had him in stockings and size 10 and a half, three inch heels. And he sat down on a chair (laughs) that was a metal chair and went, Oh, (laughs) I said, yeah, that's what it feels like when you have a dress and (laughs) stockings on. He says, I have new respect for women. And he was in labor for three days of shooting for, um, what's the name of that show where he had the baby?
0: Eight Uh, eight and a half months. months.
1: And um, it was exhausting. And he says, I have great respect for my wife now. I, I was there, but I had no idea. Now that I'm acting it, I have... Great respect for my wife. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: what what is the chief leap in that you want to see Ben have in the new series that you were never able to do in, in the original? Series? Oh
1: my goodness! Oh, you know, I was head writer, so I had lists of stuff, and that, that was <laughs> the beauty of the show—you never run out of ideas. Mm. I, I don't know. I'd have to. I don't know. I'd have to really dig deep to to try and remember what I was setting up for the next season when they canceled us. So we had all kinds of shows um, that were starting to go into development. And I had to write four shows a year contractually. So I'm sure I had all kinds of stuff that I wanted to. And some of it, you know, I, I transferred into time child. There's some things in there. And I was very careful through the series to, even if I didn't write it, I gave it to other writers to lay in Easter eggs that would be, um, that would be things that we could do going forward, you know, setting up um, the the time that um, I did shock theater and Al leapt, you know, because of this phenomenal electrical mm-hmm. storm that was, You know, Mm. very much along the lines of, uh, well, not back to the future, but the fact that you could use that much intense power to shift between the two of them. And we were very definitive about our rules. There were specific quantum leap rules. I'll never forget. Somebody came in and pitched an episode and they said, and so they're in a farmyard and Al walks through a cow and when he comes out on the other side, he's got a glass of milk. And I went, "Nah."
4: Yeah. yeah
1: because he didn't really walk through that cow physically so there was no way he could have gotten a out mel- unless he had a glass of milk before he walked through the cow then he could have had it so you know our rules were very specific and then when we broke them occasionally we broke them you know nobody but animals uh originally could recognize that it wasn't you because they could do it by um because they saw who you were. I mean, the whole idea is we exist and we we keep this energy of who we are out in front of us vibrating like this. And so that's what everybody sees. People see in many ways who we are, what we want them to see. Um, And the idea that uh, children under five could see the truth could see Sam could see Al. Uh, I thought let's do that. So you can, you can break the rules, but you have to have, you know, pretty definitive established rules, um, to go in and do that. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think what was your take on the evil Libra? We did three evil Libra episodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we could, could talk for a while we've had this. three podcasts all about what it. Was it what yeah. was it well, Matt,
3: I Matt, love them that, that's some of my favorite Matt? episodes yeah. I wanted to see more of them
1: So, but, but tell, me, tell me what you stuff. liked what you didn't like what you thought about where they came from you know I, I mean I wrote the first I, one so I have my own ideas but I'm just curious <laughs> this, I didn't answer those <laughs> questions what people
3: thought yeah it was just such a great new development having just just the concept of having a recurring villain of some kind. It's, you know, um, yeah, and what a great way to do it. The kind of the the, the mirror image of Sam, the yin and the yang, just, yeah, having that, the same concept, but the complete opposite. And the actresses were fantastic. So, yeah, it, it would have been great to see more of where they came from. But then I suppose we we'd had several years, right, of, of not really having much of the background of Sam and Al. So having that mystery, is quite good as well.
1: Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, when we talk about the fact that there could be a series of series, you know, in a, in a way, mm-hmm. the Evil Libra could be there. That could be their – its own series, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. If I can get people that's to pretty cool. To
0: Yeah. I I think the most intriguing thing about the evil leapers was that it significantly expanded the universe Mm -hmm. and the lore and everything suddenly got a lot bigger and uh, a lot uh, potentially anyway, messier because um, it's, it's almost like the end of the boogeyman where you you have that reveal that it's not Al, but it's, it's, you know, you you putting right everything that I put wrong. I, I, I can't imagine that wouldn't be tied in somehow. Um, so I was very intrigued and oh man, I mean, Renee was terrific. So to, to have, um, someone that, that could bring in and sort of pull off that something that, that's kind of a wacky concept and then make it really compelling and, uh, say, wow, where do they come from? How did it start? Is, is, is Sam running it with a goatee? Is evil <laughs> Sam running it? What's going on? You know?
1: <laughs> I love that. that's funny yeah i mean it's it's interesting now because there's so many anti-heroes out there you know if you look at television right now that's really who are the number one on the the call sheet the stars are kind of bad guys and what show was i watching um do do you ever watch you it's a, a Netflix show about this really nice guy who owns a bookstore who's a stalker and hes and he falls in love with this girl and he starts stalking her and finds out everything about her on her social media and then accidentally meets her and starts dating her and it's so creepy and he's so good, and then you find out that he's like a serial killer) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I went, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Interesting show. Uh, I mean, and then Dexter, which for years and years, he was a kind of a weird hero. He killed only bad people, but he was a serial killer. Um,
0: It was such such a a nice guy,
1: guy, (laughs) which is what they always say. When you look at Ted Bundy, here was this handsome, gracious guy that was a serial killer. They're out there. Maybe it's a way to teach people to recognize creepy people.
4: (laughs) I I do want to say about the 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 evil leapers. I did enjoy that they were evil ladies. A couple evil ladies, and they were deliciously complicated. You know, like it it made everything a little bit a little bit complicated. But it was it was. That's why I thought it would be a good spin off.
1: And the fun part was that they were women. You know, and it was at a time where very few women ran shows. I was talking to somebody about police woman and she was like the only p- woman in the show. Every other character was a man. And so basically they took some male character, turned it into a woman and called a police woman. But then everything else was the same. So the idea, and I can't tell you how many times I would go out and pitch, like, I've got this great idea. I've got this female Indiana Jones. And, you know, I had the script and everything. And like, people went, great, we love this. But, okay, so when does the guy come and save her? And I went, no, no, no. no. The guy doesn't save her. She saves him. No, 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 no. That can't. That can't work. So truthfully, it's not until really, I don't know, 15, the past. Ten to fifteen years, other than maybe uh, Ripley from um, Alien, that a woman has la- uh, really been allowed to be a hero and and come out front. Uh, the the system has evolved evolved. You know, it helps that we are at least we used to be fifty two percent of the, the world population. I think uh, China and their what's their one child law uh, caused a lot of young baby girls to be lost. Now they're paying for it because there's nobody to marry the men. Um, mm. Yeah. So that's problematic. Definitely. problematic. But I like well, evil woman. You give me. A- <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that also answers, um, concerns that I've always had about, say, like a quantum leap reboot, especially, you know, when, say, like Battlestar was rebooted and, um, this trend towards anti heroes. And quantum leap was fundamentally about a good guy doing good things altruistically because it was just the right thing to do. And I was always afraid that any kind of quantum leap reboot would have to necessarily because of the new TV environment dabble more in shades of gray and have say like, say Ben, instead of just saying, okay, you need to do this so that this person goes on and has a happy life instead said, you need to do this, but it'll destroy this person's life. So you have to make a choice, which, which lesser of the evils are you going to pick or something like that. And from everything you're telling me, um, the new series does not go in that direction. It, it keeps the hope alive that the original quantum had, but you could still play with that kind of stuff. If you had an evil leaper spinoff, you know, like you said, there's so many nuanced things that you could do <laughs> under sort of a dip under the umbrella. That is quantum Leap. You could have sort of that grittier, like, I mean, Lothos is essentially a demon or so bad that we all think he's a demon. So, or she.
1: It's a very so, good point. I mean,
0: yeah. It's, the, sky is the really That's the, the
1: beauty of the show. Yeah. People figure out, you know, People have to remember this is an anthology. And so every week we set up a new world. And in that new world, anything can happen. You know, um, I think we try and tell. I think it was important for everybody that that Ben be uh, a good guy and want to do the right thing. Because that's what drives you to to help people. That your instinct to, to do the right thing, even if your reason is okay. You there's a ninety three percent chance that if you save this um, this woman from jumping off of a ledge, then you get to leap, and maybe that leap will bring you home. Um, but he did it because he was a good guy, and that was the most important thing. It was definitely the most important thing. So, yeah, that was imperative. Everybody knew it at this network, at the studio, and Stephen and Brian knew it best because they they wanted this show to to touch the people that it touched the first time and to bring a new audience to the table. The question is, will that new audience – Um, you know the show was a challenge even when we first did it which is why the saga cell went in there to explain what is it that I'm looking at well what is happening it's a bit of an enigma (laughs) and so the, the saga cell really helped people until they understood why people are calling him a different name every week why he looks in the mirror and there's a different person every week and how can it be a female and how can it be black? Wait a minute. This is crazy. Uh, but they, they flowed with us. They, they came to the table and went, okay, we're going to, we're going to suspend belief. And once they did, I think we entertained them. And, and that is Tadema into this storytelling of what is quantum leap. So And then I'll decide whether the world is too jaded for Quantum Leap to come back. I hope not. I hope that there's enough good in people that they go, yeah, I want to watch this show because, A, it's entertaining and it's fun and funny and dramatic and sad and thoughtful and all the things that the show can be because it's an anthology, and if we can do that, we got to hit.
0: Well, from your mouth to GTFW's <laughs> ears, right?
1: <laughs> GTFW, thank you very much. I remember that.
0: Thank <laughs> Well, Deborah, you've been so gracious with your time. I don't want to keep you um, any longer than, um, you know, than, than you have. Um, is there any aspect of the new production that um, we haven't touched upon that you'd like to?
1: Um, just that I just want to say to the fans how important you are, and your curiosity, and your reaching out to the networks and the studios, and asking questions, and f- starting to follow the the cast and um, Brian and uh, Stephen. You know, I hope that you guys have Brian and Stephen on the show um, to to really pick their brains because they got the football. That'd be great. They've got the football right now. And a lot of it, you know, again, I go back, a lot of it will, will turn on network or streaming. It'll turn on who comes to the table. So when the show comes on, it's imperative that you come to the table, come play with us. And, and write in, um, you know, I don't know how that works anymore. Do people still write letters? Uh, and if you want it, I think it's hashtags, hashtags now. <laughs> Ziggy QL, that's going to be my new hashtag. How do, you, how do I set it up so that it's mine? <laughs> Ziggy QL. You have to teach me, teach me, teach me. <laughs> um, and then we'll, you know, we'll start to build that so that people get the word out and get people to the table. If that makes Sense.
0: Yeah, we we will help you in as much as we can. Sure. Uh, that is our mission here, because it's the one thing that we want to see. I think most in the world. Um, thank you so much for this wonderful glimpse of things to come. We look forward to having you and everybody else who wants to come back on when you're allowed to talk a little bit more. Maybe we can let our hair down and talk about the new show um, a little bit. Uh, you know, more more loosely you know, more specifically. And um, yeah, this is, this has been great.
1: That was it. Thank you to you, to Allison, to Matt, to Chris, um, to Albert, wherever you are, uh, to, uh, to the fans who have stuck with this show since it started, who have discovered us along the way and, um, and loved the show and the characters and the people uh, thank you. Thank you. This is just the beginning.
0: Thank you, Debra. All right, you guys. Okay, Leapers, hope you enjoyed that. If you want to tell us what you thought of this interview with Deborah, or submit any questions for future interviews, there are many ways that you can contact us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at quantumleappod. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube dot com slash the quantum leap podcast. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the quantum leap podcast. Just remember that we may use your comments in an upcoming episode. Speaking of which, there is so much more information yet to be revealed about the reboot and you'll hear it all right here on the quantum leap podcast as it becomes available. So on behalf of Albie, Allison, Matt and Deborah, thanks for listening.
2: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden, Charles Allen Gossard and Ben Kirkham are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual, and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production.